Co-host Bradford Barth, and I'm your host Stephanie Krentz. How's your week been, Stephanie? Uh, a little bit frigid. You might say that's true. Yes, <laughs> it has been quite Arctic here lately. Yeah. Well, I suppose I've been very toasty the last couple of days because I have not left my apartment. That's that's a good call. And my heater, which I'm very thankful that my building has heat and mm-hmm. frost has not crept in. But holy moly, they are cranking it. Yeah. Well, it's cold out. It's toasty in here. It was like negative twenty-five last night. I had to sleep with my two fans on like I do during the summer. That's how hot it is in my apartment. They brought summer to you. They did. (laughs) Yes. But otherwise it was, what, like negative 50 wind chill outside yesterday? Yeah, it was. was, Well, I wouldn't know. I didn't walk out. I didn't. I did not take one step out the door. Me either. I have not taken a step out the door since. Uh, 5 p.m., 5.30 on Tuesday <laughs> evening when I got home, and it was very cold then. I got home Tuesday evening. It was chilly. Yeah, quite chilly. Um, Wednesday, I had to walk for 20 minutes. From I forced myself to move from watching TV in my bed to watching TV in my living room in a chair. Uh-huh. <laughs> I ate, you know. Uh-huh. I had cereal for two meals, and I had, on Tuesday, had bought a pizza for lunch. Um, you know, make it home pizza sort of thing. Nice. And uh, yeah, I didn't go anywhere. Me either. Did not. I did some laundry. Wow. And there's ice around the back door of my house, so that's how cold it was. Scary. Yeah. Scary cold out. <clears throat> I was supposed to. <clears throat> a friend of mine on monday said you're gonna come to the gym on wednesday right and i'm like no thank you very no. much that ain't gonna happen no dog. And then tuesday's like so i'll see you at the gym tomorrow right and i'm like you can keep wishing for that but you know what i'm not gonna no there's gonna be no no stepping out of the house no nothing i was supposed to have jury duty on wednesday right. <laughs> and uh luckily the courts closed for wednesday mm-hmm. and set thursday so i did not have jury duty, but I should be getting another summons. I'm not exactly sure how they do that here in Illinois. No clue. I don't know if I just immediately go back into the pool of eligible candidates or because I had gotten one, they just reschedule that entire yeah. pool. Who knows? I'll find out in the mail. But. Fun. Then he went on Wednesday morning and said, I'm seeing you at the gym tonight, right, bud? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, keep dreaming. You crazy? I'm like, and then I went and like opened up my weather app and I said, Currently, right now, it feels like negative 48 degrees outside. And I'm like, and it's supposed to get worse. I'm like, so uh, no. No, not putting on shorts no, and going to the gym because I only work out in shorts, obviously, because uh-huh. I don't own any cool pants that you tear off and I don't have sweats because <laughs> uh-huh. you know, I'm not a dad. But anyway, <clears throat> so then... Later that evening, he went and said, I know you said you weren't going to the gym, but he goes, I just wanted to let you know the gym's off. And I'm like, oh, finally, you've pulled your head out of your rectum and and became a smart man. And he said he had one outside earlier in that day, and it was frigid. <laughs> yes, quite frigid. <coughs> so, yeah. My gym closed, so even if I wanted to go, I, I was you not know, able to. I bet. 
our gym would have been closed as well. Mm-hmm. Because they're smart and they're closing things. Yeah, well, nobody's going to, you know, nobody's going <clears throat> out. Nope. Even though nobody was working yesterday, there were still a lot of orders I had to work on today. <laughs> Sent yesterday. Now, I don't know if those people work from home. I worked from 8 to 6 yesterday. I had a very busy day. I took a vacation day. On purpose? Yeah. What, what, what am I going to do? Nobody's in the office. I'm, I'm one of two people that has been given the ability to remote in because, you know, uh-huh. I'm, I'm the IT guy and I make those decisions. <laughs> oh, so they didn't close the office, or they closed the office, but yeah. you would have the still had to work? Cl- the office was closed and your choice was to... Uh, okay. The president of the company was going to come in and he changed his mind. So mm-hmm. the choices were the morning of Tuesday was he was planning on being there and you could come in if you wanted to and then he would pay f- for lunch for people that decided to make the trek. Right. Or you could not come in and have a day of not pay or you could not come in and take a vacation day and obviously get your eight hours of pay. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> since I have a lot of vacation, I'm like, yeah, vacation day. Gotcha. I'm definitely not driving an hour to work in sub-zero weather mm-hmm. and uh i think one person was gonna come in and i'm like you're crazy and i'm like you're you'd be lucky if your car started tomorrow morning yeah and then he changed his mind he's like you know that's yeah i'm not gonna come in especially after we started talking about you can get a flat it's so cold that the air in your tires is, you know, so condensed by the super coldness that if you don't pre-pressurize prior to driving a little bit, your tire could literally just fall off the rim and mm-hmm. then, then you wreck it because you did that. Yeah. Or just all the other fun things. Lots of fun things. So I stayed home and I watched a bunch of movies and apparently it was emotional. <laughs> yeah. I worked for a really long time and then I did my homework. Which is this. Were you emotional? No. Okay. It was a little the second movie that I watched, which happened to be by the same screenwriter. <laughs> yeah, what was the second movie you watched? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh. I just wanted to look at Mark Ruffalo for a while. Okay. And I got my wish. But I forgot that Charlie Kaufman also wrote that movie. And so I was like, oh, this is an accidental coincidence. Wasn't one of the characters in this movie Charlie Kaufman? Yes, that's the same person who wrote the movie. Wow. He's a real person. He wrote himself into a script? Yes. That's pretty cool. He wrote the movie about himself writing... A movie? The movie. (laughs) Of an adaptation? Yes. It's very meta. (laughs) So Charlie's a fat, balding guy who doesn't take chances? No, he's like... No, he looks pretty And is always normal. in his head. I'm sure that's accurate. He's not, he doesn't have a twin, though. Even well, though the film is credited to Charlie and Donald Kaufman as a screenwriter for the movie. Yeah. But Donald doesn't really exist. I see. It's his inner personality. <clears throat> yes. Huh. So, yeah, we're doing adaptation this week. Mm-hmm. And thank you to Nick who I would say suggested and also harassed me. Yep. 
about doing it. Thank when you, When are you guys going to do it? Like, oh Thank my God, you so fine. much, Nick, because this movie starts out as just two pathetic people who can't make up their minds about stuff and then just takes the weirdest turn, which I really enjoyed. I just cannot tell you. I'm like, yeah, this movie this is great. Good job, Nick. Good job. What? <laughs> Get out of here. Oh, my God. I mean, there's lots of deep meanings in that twist and turn and everything. Mm-hmm. 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 We should get into this one. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. Because after watching it, I was just so excited to record this episode. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to lower my microphone. Bleep. Okay. Bleep. 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 Boop. 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 Okay. I just intentionally bonked my nose. Cool. Special effects. Yep. Whatever. Sorry, spit muffler. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> Let's start the ride. We are on the set. Well, we're Charlie is having Charlie Kaufman, played by Nicolas Cage in this movie. Mm-hmm. He is a screenwriter, and he wrote the movie, or he did the screenplay for being John Malkovich in real life. Um, okay. Not Nicolas Cage, but the real Charlie Kaufman. Right, right. Um, so he's on the set of the movie having an existential crisis, basically. Okay. He's 40, fat, balding, et cetera, et cetera. Many mm-hmm. other anxieties mm-hmm. that he expresses in rapid fire succession, because that's what anxiety sounds like in your brain when you're having a freak out. Yep. Or just on a daily basis. Yep. It's true. That's what my brain does. Not in the same context, but... In my personal context. Oh, you're not 40 fat and balding? <laughs> nope. <laughs> not that I know of. <clears throat> also a man. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Bring John Malkovich was also, so that was made in 1999 and this movie came out in 2002, just okay. FYI, just to orient you to the time period. And also directed by Spike Jones, who directed this one. So we have a returning cast of people doing movie things. Yes. Sweet. And was that real footage from? Yeah, that was definitely from the movie. And they just threw Nick Cage in uh-huh. for the bits where they had to with movie magic. Yes, I okay. believe so. I'm going to say that's so because I've seen Being John Malkovich and that looked like it was from the movie. So. Well, that looked like it was in between takes. Well, yeah, I mean like on the set of the movie. Where John was concerned for the people in rubber masks so i'm assuming there's a lot of john malkovich's in being john malkovich yes there's a lot we'll have to do being john malkovich at some point oh yeah we should that's a f- weird movie but it's got double a weird triples, fun movie quadruples <clears throat> quintuple i don't and I like know. john malkovich i haven't watched it i haven't seen it in a really really long time but it's pretty bonkers from what i remember cool. i just remember like when they were sitting in that set mm-hmm. later on in the movie with the like weirdly sized built like room yeah the really tiny room yeah Yeah. i remember that very vividly and i was suddenly like oh yeah i remember this movie but only vaguely now so did they that they must have rebuilt that set or had it put away somewhere and brought it back out yeah i don't know because i can't imagine that they slotted maggie gyllenhaal i don't think was i can't remember if she was in that movie or not but Whatever. We'll answer all these questions when we do being John Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're doing it. We should have done being John Malkovich first, and then we should have done adaptation, then we should have done Eternal Sunshine. 
then it would have been in chronological order. Let's pack up shop and get out of here. We're done. Thank you for listening. Because I do want to do that one eventually. Because I feel like there is a double aspect for Eternal Sunshine. Because, you know, you're walking through memories. and There's all these different versions of yeah. them. And he has the, you know, memory version of her. And then the version version of her. The real version of her, et cetera, et cetera. So he's got a nanobot version and a real version. Stop. <laughs> you shush. And also because Mark Ruffalo is in it and he dances in his underwear and it's adorable. Right. We all know how so, you like your Ruffalo. I real, really like my Ruffalo. Sorry, Brett. I know you're <laughs> looking over here. He can deal with the Hulk. <laughs> he can deal with my I Bruce Banner love. I don't think he can. <laughs> he better. The Hulk doesn't like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think the Hulk Hydra. likes Hydra. <laughs> yeah. So. And, you know, he did say, hey, I'll Hydra once. So. He did. You know. Anyway, <laughs> getting very off track. Yes. Because I, you know, looked at Mark Ruffalo for two hours last night, so now I'm You just... did, so now you just got Marvel things on the brain. Always. Let's get back to this marvelous movie. <laughs> so, he's still having his existential crisis, and he asks, how did we get here? Or how did I get here? And then we go through the entire cycle of existence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very quickly. Right. Um, a hot magma earth that yeah. cools and etc etc dinosaurs flowers <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. decay etc um he's on a business meeting or he's at a business meeting with tilda swinton uh, aka valerie mm-hmm. he's very sweaty and he's having his inner monologue still yep. of, of anxiety he has been tasked to screenwrite a movie of a book by this what? woman named Susan. Didn't he want this? He did want it very badly because the book so, was so simple. Right. And so. Different. Different. The, the book is called The Orchid Thief and it is written by a woman named Susan who mm-hmm. is played by Meryl Streep. He doesn't, he tells uh, Valerie very specifically, he doesn't want to cram a bunch of guns and sex into the screen, but he just wants to leave it, leave it as it is, leave it as is right. and let the story unfold. As it is in the book, just and calmly tell a about movie flowers. about how cool flowers are. Yeah, just like look at these cool flowers. So three, we go back in the, the past. Yes, back into the past, back in time, to three years ago, where Susan is writing her book, and she's. We're kind of getting the story through different viewpoints, like her writing, and then we go back and we see and what reading. she's writing about, and. Yeah. He's reading the book while she's telling the story while she's living it at the same time. It's just kind of like this weird backtrack of progression. Right. So three years ago, she's writing it. And then we go to two years before that where there's this guy. He's in the Florida Everglades-ish swamp, swampy area. Mm -hmm. He's looking for this fancy orchid with a bunch of um, his pals. And... Um, who are Native Americans. Who are Native Americans, yes. And then they cut it, they cut the orchid down, as well as a gazillion other flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, while they're packing up their truck, they get stopped by the state, by a state trooper. Probably a forest preserve or officer. Or forest preserve, oh yeah. Or a preserves officer. I don't wouldn't think you'd call that a forest preserve. Yeah. Just, yeah, preserve. It's the state preserve, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. They have all of these flowers and pillowcases and the the guy asks, you know, what they what's in the pillowcases? And or he says, Can I ask what's in the pillowcases? And they're like, You may. And he says, Okay, what's All right, what's well in I'm them? asking. <laughs> <laughs> um and 
the guy who we learn his name is John LaRoche. Mm-hmm. He says that they're all flowers and they took them from the preserve and he's not shy about it at all. So, right. which he, is against the yes. law. Yes. Because they're you know, on the state property and you can't remove state property from right. state property. But then he throws a hook. Does, I, don't, I didn't write it down. Oh. <laughs> well, he says you'll Please notice that. Okay. <laughs> so the three Native Americans was important because that was his whole plan. <clears throat> uh, they were all Native American of a certain tribe. And due to a treaty between the government of the United States and this tribe's people, they could not. They could do whatever they wanted pretty much in this area since it was their land to begin with and were not held to the same laws as he would have been. And right. he wasn't shy about it because he said they picked it. Mm-hmm. So, But he gets arrested anyway. Yes, because then that jumps to his court date, right? Um, later on it does. <coughs> okay. So Charlie gets home. Charlie Kaufman, Nicolas Cage, Mm -hmm. and we meet his twin brother, Donald. Donald says that he's going to be a screenwriter just like him. He's going to take screenwriting classes and get really good and Uh all this other stuff. Uh, Charlie says that screenwriting classes are bullshit because there are no rules in screenwriting, and those classes only, you know, keep you in these limitations, and you can't be as free as you want with your script. Right, and he says basically anybody that tells you that there's rules to screenwriting is lying to you because they're they just don't they don't exist. They shouldn't exist. Right. There's no formula. I think it was one of the phrases he said. It's just all about good writing and having putting together a good story. Precisely. Like this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Charlie is then. Um, out with a woman named Amelia, who he really, really likes. Mm-hmm. They're at a party. They don't seem to be together, though. I think they're still in the the strange dating phase. But sure. not quite dating. Yeah. Um, you can tell they both like each other. But yeah, no, neither of them will make a move to, well, to the next part. She doesn't. She wants him to make a move. Right, she does. But he is a big old chicken, so. Yeah, he's just in his head too much. Mm-hmm. So she cheers him up a little bit about his screen screenplay. Right. Um, and it looks like he's going to kiss her. He like They have like a, a silence that would present it itself. That would be the perfect opportunity for some smooches. Yep, yep. And then he doesn't. Right. <laughs> and she looks excited for smooches. Yeah, she wanted those smooches. But he pusses out. He chickens out. Does whatever. We're going to call it a chickening out. Chickened out. Because he calls it chickening out. He failed to advance to um, stage two yes. of the relationship. And then he's home trying to write. And he does, or I guess the next morning, he's doing the stereotypical writing bargaining, which I practice frequently. <laughs> really? Which is write something. If you write a sentence, you can reward yourself with something. I see. Or if you get coffee now, then you'll be able to write better. Or, you know... Just do this thing and then you can have a muffin or, you know, <laughs> it's, I do it all the time. Really? Uh-huh. And then eventually you break down to just yeah. thinking about the muffin? Exactly. <laughs> like, and then it's just like, you continue to think about this stupid stuff and you keep making this bargaining with yourself until 
because it's like when you're staring at a blank page it seems very terrifying Mm -hmm. and it's just like how are you ever going to turn whatever you're like even for me just the simplest article sometimes just getting that first sentence down then it's fine but it's getting that first sentence down yeah the opening helps you helps you start the direction role that you're looking for i would rather or i have found myself doing chores around the house Uh before i would write a sentence because it's when you just don't have the the spark right it's just bad it's hard i wouldn't i've never it's a real thing i've written a couple blog entries you Mm -hmm. know that's about it Today I published my 100th article. Congratulations. At my job that I've been at for a year. Good job. That's crazy. That's a lot 100? of articles. Yeah. That's like almost two a day. Uh, no. Nope, sorry. <laughs> two a week. Two a week. That's what I meant to say. That's more accurate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's more than 50 days to a year, people. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Missed the boat on that one. <laughs> good. Good try. <laughs> Shortest years ever. <laughs> I'll take it for these uh, certain government-related years. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You'd have to do your taxes so often. You'd get sick of it really quick. I guess. So, (laughs) I'd never see Caitlin. (laughs) Plus, you know how old you'd be? (laughs) No, it doesn't count like that. It just counts for the government. (laughs) Hey, if you're going to make 50 50 days a year, you're you're going to age quicker. I suppose. Just like the number, though. Then I would die when I was like 200 <laughs> instead of exactly. 90 or 100. You'd get to drinking age quicker. <laughs> They'd probably change it, though. Yes. They'd have to be like 50. <laughs> you can't drink till you're 50. Uh, Susan details. We go back to Susan, who is talking some more about history and orchids or the history of orchids. And then she goes, sorry, I didn't write any of the orchid details down because I did not care. Sorry, orchids. Um <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I'm just kind of, I was trying to breezing through some of the details. and Right. It was really, when this movie began, it was really hard to tell what was important to talk about. Yeah. Because it was very strange at first. Yeah. So. It was extremely strange. Um, I didn't know what was going to be relevant later on and what was going to be like. And quite honestly, the way this movie starts out. There is no way you could have known what was going to be relevant <laughs> later. True. It's true. So she's, uh, she goes to LaRoche's trial. That's how you say it, right? LaRoche? LaRoche. Okay, just making sure. Uh, for stealing all the orchids. Uh-huh. She, once the trial's over, he's going out to his van and she kind of asks him a couple questions. She, wants, she's telling, she tells him she's writing a story for the New Yorker. Yep. And, and she asks him a question and he says something sassy. You know, that has a shit or a fuck or something in it. I don't know. I can't remember what he said. Yeah, he was very pottied mouth. Um, and and she's like writing it downward forward and he's very impressed that something like that would be in print. Yeah. She's like, Well, gotta get your real quote down. So, yeah, bud. <laughs> Charlie does some writing. Sort of, I think. <laughs> right. He doesn't do much writing in this movie. He, he does a lot of stressful things. Yes. In his brain. Right. And on tape recorder. And on tape recorder. Yes. He he speaks a lot instead of actually writing, which I don't. I've never done that before. Well, nobody wants to watch somebody sit at a typewriter and type up all their thoughts. I mean, 
we get to see the results of that from time to time. Mm-hmm. But who wants to watch that happen? I suppose. But he could have been like typing furiously while his voiceover was narrating. But he didn't know what to type. All right. He just wanted to get to that muffin and coffee. Everyone reward. has their own method. <laughs> Mine is not tape recorder. Because that just adds extra work for me. Because then you have to type it. Yeah, then I have to type what I said. Well, I think it was more for him. It was more of a... Listen to it and then hear it back and see how ridiculous it sounds. Well, I think that was part of it. It seemed to me like he was just, you know, riffing. Well, yeah, for sure he was riffing. So just, you know, brainstorming. Yeah. I'll do this and that and this and that and this and, that, and then go back and, mm-hmm. you know, just letting his mind free and whatever comes into his mind... Let it roll out where you don't have to, where it's more natural probably for someone like this character. Mm-hmm. And then go back and listen to it and see how weird or yeah right it was. See how insane you are. That too. <laughs> um, but then he takes Amelia out again. They went to somewhere, like a show maybe, a dinner, I don't know. Uh, and then he, they're sitting in his car outside her place. Uh-huh. And she's just begging for smooches again. Yeah. She's she's just like, lay it on me, buddy. She doesn't right. verbalize this, of course. No, but she's there just a very looking knowing look. at him. Yes. yes. Many knowing looks. Uh, but then he chickens out again, and she just kind of is sad and right. disappointed. Yep. He invites her to go to this orchid show with him the next weekend, but Ooh. she turns him down. Cause yeah, she's she'll like, be busy. No, I can't go. Got a thing. Yeah, sorry. So then she goes home. They say bye. She goes away. And he's sitting in his car and he's like going through another anxiety spiral. If he should just go to his door. I'm going to go to her door. I'm going to kiss her. I'm going to do this right now. It's going to happen. And then he drives Drives away. away. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Yep. Good good pep talk. (laughs) Way to follow through. <laughs> you, 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 didn't, you didn't. You tried. Not you didn't really. win on that one. You, you kind of gave up. Super gave up. Susan, in the past, is going for a ride with LaRoche to learn more about him and the orchid he's trying to find. Uh-huh. She finds him very fascinating because he, have such, he has such delusions of grandeur. Grandeur. That's yes. what she writes on her notepad. Yes, now her notes are no longer quotes. They're more. They're more her thoughts as more she her listens thoughts to of him. him. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny because he thinks she's still writing down quotes. Yeah, because he's trying to like he's like pontificating about all of this magical orchid stuff in his life and whatever. Right. Back at Charlie Land. <laughs> okay. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Charlie or Donald is like lying on the floor. I don't know. He's lying on the floor a lot. <laughs> first few times we see him it's very weird because he threw out his back i think he said oh okay i missed that it's yeah. just funny because he's just lying on the floor and flailing around and giving charlie a hard time it's silly mm-hmm. uh susan is looking at orchids and flowers with laroche he's very sexually talking about bees pollinating them well bugs in general and bugs yeah and how it makes life go around and you know there's the attraction and sexiness i don't know he doesn't say sexiness but it was implied yeah well i think he legit said the flower looks like the the bug that's going to to uh 
what's the word? Pollinate? Pollinate it. And, you know, the flower's job is to make the bug want to have sex with it. He kept mm. he kept referring to the the pollination process as being the flower wanting to make the bug have sex with the flower. Yeah. Pretty much. He just turned pollination into sex. Yes. And then I think we get kind of an inner monologue of Susan who's writing, kind of narrating from her book. Uh-huh. And she says, when you spot your flower, you can't let anything get in your way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and then she's back home with, she's having dinner with her husband and some of her snooty New Yorker friends, I assume. <laughs> or they could just be her New York friends. Yeah. Not necessarily work at the New Yorker. Right. Um, and she's obviously very, a very successful New, the New Yorker article writer. Yes. So she's, she's kind of talking about this guy and they're all just like, tell us more about this ridiculous dude. And then she gets up to go to the bathroom or something and then she can overhear them still making fun of him. And you can tell that she's starting to feel bad about it because she, you know, likes this guy or at least she has, feels some sort of sympathy towards him. I didn't read it that way. Oh, really? I read it. She was attracted to him. I didn't read it that way yet. Yeah. I think it took a while for her to get there. I read it as she, at, at like some of those facial looks, I read it as she realized that she really, that maybe he was her flower. Mm-hmm. Well, I was saying like, I think she has like a, a crush, a journalist crush on him because yeah. she finds him so fascinating. She doesn't know what to do with that feeling. And then that's why she started feeling guilty about everyone making fun of him because he's, he's her subject. She seems smitten. Yeah. I'm just gonna... I just think there's a difference between crush and like. I think at that point, I legit thought that she... Liked him? Yeah. Mm. That she realized that she was kind of in love with him. Mm -hmm. And then the stuff that'll happen going forward just sort of solidified that in my brain. I think when my, my moment of that is when he tells her about his, like what happened to his mom that was that was the moment for me that i thought solidified it for her huh. that's so much later i know that, well because <laughs> i don't think she knows which what she's feeling yet because she's in this she, weird place i don't know yeah with the with the red rose glasses on uh-huh okay I think she's she's finding him fascinating, and she has a journalist crush, which I've had before. They're real things. It's cool. And what? It's cool. And uh, we obviously have different solidification yeah. moments here. Yeah, I'm just explaining my version. Yep. I think yours is valid too. So, if you have a different thought after watching this movie, just a reminder: you probably should <laughs> tweet at us or email us because. It'd be interesting to hear where people get this, this belief. Yeah. Like when it, when you see it. Because so anyway. I think, I think the re- sorry, I just was reading my next line, which is she wants to know what it's like to care about something as passionately as these people care about these plants. Right. And I feel like discovering that is that she wasn't sure that that was the passion yet. I think it took her a while to discover she passionately cared about this person I and I just didn't think she was there yet I took it as she was 
she was attracted to him because of his passion. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's true too. I just didn't think she then, was in love yet. And then later, though, like then as it goes on, I think that she kind of feels bad that she doesn't have this. Like she wishes she could have. This oh, of passion. course, for sure. She's fascinated by his obsession. Yes. And she wants to see this ghost orchid that people are raving so about. So obsessed with, yeah. Because apparently it's very, it's an endangered orchid and very rare and hard to find and not something you can buy. Mm-hmm. And then they go into some of his other obsessions that he just decided after, like, he just talks about how he, he was really into turtles for a while. And then just one day he decided he wasn't into turtles anymore. Yep. And then. It was when he was a kid. Yeah, when he was a kid. And then he was really obsessed with fish for a while. He said he had 60 tanks. Yep. And one day he just decided, fuck fish. Yep. <laughs> but he had no real reason why. He just decided that. Yep. And she he doesn't still under... love the ocean, but he won't dip his toe in it. Mm-hmm. Because fuck fish. Yep. He just, she just doesn't understand how, how after a while, if you're so obsessed with them, how you can just give it up. Not obsessed. Passionate. Those are the same things. He was, he was very passionate about his love of turtles. Yeah. And then he was done with it. And then it was fish. Yeah. And then he was done with it. And now it's orchids. Yes. And then that, this was the part where she's like, can you really be so passionate about something? And then not at all. Because mm-hmm. that's where she was like wondering where. Why are you binging? Oh, it's because I have the window on. It's because um, she doesn't think you can. Because she's equating his passion as love. Can you go from loving something so much to not actually still having feelings about it? Because right. he was playing it off as, yeah, I don't care about it anymore. Turtles? What are turtles? Turtles are worthless. Don't care about turtles. Right. She doesn't. Because she's intrigued if he's the same way about people. Because mm-hmm. he's not married anymore. Because she likes him. Yeah, I think she likes she him. She wants to date him. That's very different from being in love. Because she's in love. I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't think she's in love yet. I do. I think she's fascinated and likes him. Charlie is still trying to find someone to go with him to the orchid show. Yep. <laughs> he's uh. And this is this is where we start having Charlie's fantasies. Yes. F- fleshed out, right? Yes. I'm getting there. Okay, I'm just making sure because I'm it, on the right page still. Because before you say it, because that was a spoiler. Sorry. Because <laughs> it's funnier when it's, you don't know that. Oh, okay. <laughs> he invites his very nice waitress to the orchid show, and then they go together, and he smooches her, and then they're in the plants and then she takes her shirt off and then oh he's just jerking off <laughs> yep <laughs> uh and then of course donald interrupts him while he's in the middle of this private session yeah, it's a nice way to put it <laughs> <laughs> they chat about a movie and then um his screenplay maybe i don't remember i didn't write down the details is this after he's already gone and done that? The class. The class. I think it's after he's done the class, yeah. Okay. And he's talking about how great it is and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, um, and this is where he's chatting about his, oh, the underlying theme of his story. This is the one where a cop is trying to catch a criminal who's got somebody kidnapped, right? Did you write any, is this going to be part of anything for you? I didn't write anything down. When it comes to this. So I think his story was, 
a person has abducted somebody and has them captive and a cop is trying to find this person and this person's a girl and he I think he referred to the cop as a guy. He goes, but the twist is, and he was talking about an exchange where the the abductor is talking to the cop while he's at the station and then he goes and, you know, and taunting like, you know, psychos like to do as we know from all those true crime things. But anyway, um, but then he says the big twist in the movie is the cop and the abductor are the same person. And mm. this is one Charlie is at the, okay. That's the main guy. So this is when Charlie loses it and says, your story makes no sense. There's no way it could make sense. And he's trying to make him realize that the scene he just laid out couldn't happen if it was the same person. <laughs> Because the cop couldn't be in the police station on the phone with the abductor taunting mm. them if it's the same person. Yeah. And he's just not making that connection and it frustrates him. And then he gives up and says, you're right, it's a great idea. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Did not pay attention. So his brothers. <laughs> just, <laughs> I enjoyed all these little things between him and his brother. Because his brother's like, oh, this is so great. And, his, and then he's like, but it makes no sense. It doesn't work. It, it's, it, if you're going to have an idea, it needs to be able to work in the real mm-hmm. world. And your thing can't work in the real world at all. Right. His frustrations with his brother. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. Good. He goes back to the restaurant. To see the girl, which is Judy Greer, by the way, played by Judy Greer, if I didn't mention that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about orchids, and she's very impressed by all of his orchid knowledge. Yep. So he's like, oh, now's my chance. He's not being weird at all. No. So did you know that the... <laughs> I don't know. It's just so awkward. <laughs> Spouting out random facts about orchids. Uh, and then he tries to ask her out to the orchid show, and halfway through he's like oh no i'm sorry <laughs> yeah well because her face goes well from, yeah her you know, face says being a kind server who is interacting with you in order to have you have a good dining experience and in turn her get a good tip to you just weirded me out mm-hmm. so she, she goes to her like manager and is like hey, it's creepy dude's we don't yep. hear her say that, but that's basically what she says. Yep, she he broke a rule that Judge John Hodgman always talks about. What? Never hit on people in the service industry. It's uh, true. I believe it's John Judd. Hod- oh, and also the McElroys. I'm sure it's just everybody, because it's shitty to do that. It's because they're trapped. Yes. You're not trapped. They're trapped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it happened to me many times when I worked at the bakery, and it was very uncomfortable. Not supposed to happen? See? You were trapped. I was trapped. It was scary. So then he goes to the show on his own and he just stares at women like a creeper (laughs) and equates them to flowers. (laughs) Yeah, his inner dialogue was trying to use the the book's passion of of explaining the flowers. He was doing it, but with people Mm -hmm. and calling them flowers. Yes. The teacher flower, the soccer mom flower. Guy's got issues. Being a creeper. Eee, do the creep. Yeah, he was doing the creep all through that show. Susan, in the past, goes to spend time with LaRoche again. I just wrote down some of their conversation, um, which is 
LaRoche was saying, I think people were spending time with me because they're lonely, which Susan obviously is because she's not happy in her marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says, adaptation is a profound process. It's like trying to figure out how to thrive in the world. Because he's talking about which species of flower make it past certain cl- climate or, or effects in their environment that mm-hmm. would otherwise make that's why flowers get endangered etc blah, right. blah, blah. and i can't remember if he or she says this but for a person adapting is almost shameful it's like running away which i think susan is feeling like she can't adapt to this new thing she's getting into i don't remember who said that i don't either but it works for the <laughs> for for her anyway right she doesn't want to run away from her life because she feels ashamed about this strange thing that she's encountered and that yeah, she's the very, fact that she's in love with LaRoche. That she's very into. Uh, Charlie is on set at Being John Malkovich. And Donald is there hitting on the makeup girl who is Maggie Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. He then goes to talk to Charlie. He wants some tips on how to kill people for his script. Okay. Uh, and Charlie says something like, maybe he's a book bookseller or something, and he chops up people, and I don't know. I can't remember all the details. But So is he writing this screenplay while being John Malkovich is being filmed? Is mm-hmm. that what they're trying to put on? Okay. Yes. Just making sure. Uh, but Donald's like, that's a great idea. And then the next scene, uh, they're at home, and... makeup girl whose name is carolyn is reading donald's script excitedly while charlie is upstairs failing at writing right a bit of writer's block yeah i think he's had it for most of the movie (laughs) he just doesn't know how to make flowers a character Mm -hmm. which is a valid point it's true they're at a party donald and charlie and maggie or caroline whatever her name was Uh (laughs) uh-huh And Amelia appears. She has a new boyfriend now. And uh, Charlie is feeling even more awkward than usual. And She just, called him a friend. Yeah, it was her boyfriend. Yeah, but she didn't say that. They were holding hands. But she just said he was a friend. Yeah. But you think maybe that pretty was for obvious. Charlie's sake? <laughs> yeah, I think okay. so. Uh, Charlie leaves the party. And it's very clear that he and Donald could not be more different, I think, in the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Donald's getting all the laughs and, you know, he's right. a very jolly guy and Charlie is so And outgoing yes. and he's everything Donald isn't. Yes, he's their opposites, basically. Yes. Extreme opposites. Charlie is going through his script again and then he gets the idea, which is what we exactly saw in the beginning of the movie. Start at the beginning. Blah, 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 right. blah. Dinosaurs, whatever. Donald interrupts him and starts babbling about something else that i didn't write down okay but charlie is just exasperated and he says you and i share the same dna (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's true (laughs) he cannot believe it susan calls laroche late that night to talk to him while she's in bed yeah she asks him about his nursery and then he tells her a story about you know why he doesn't have it anymore and how he was pulling out of his driveway one day his parents were in the, or his mom and his uncle were in the back seat, and his wife was in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. And as they're driving, very unsafe, by the way, like that big old bush is very unsafe. That was in the way. 
Wasn't there a boat too? Yeah, there was just so much in your blind spot, like so many. Yeah, it was a big bush, which is okay, but then there was this huge boat yeah. on a trailer parked out on the side of the curb. Yeah, so then... So once he passes that, he gets you see a speeding car. Super hard with a, yeah. Van car. Truck, maybe? I don't know. I don't think it was a truck. It didn't seem like a semi or anything. I think it was a van. I meant like a normal truck, not like a semi. Oh, like, like a, a pickup truck? Like a pickup truck. Gotcha. Um, it was definitely not a car. Right. So he lost, so in this accident, he lost his mom, his uncle, and his teeth, which uh-huh. he is missing like the first four of his front teeth. Right. Um, and then his wife was in a coma for three weeks, mm-hmm. and she divorced him after she re- regained consciousness. Uh-huh. And Susan's getting very emotional while she's listening to him tell this story. And, and then Hurricane... Yeah, he says a month after that, a hurricane wiped out his nursery. Was it Hurricane Andrew? He actually... Hit, they had the name, but... I didn't remember write it down. Yeah, and then I didn't hear what he said. scene of him where his nursery used to be in ruins. hmm So she's... He's, like, talking about how he's sad about that his wife left him, but Susan was like, well, it's, a, like, no one's going to judge you right. for, for, you know, you died. You almost died, so it's your only chance to get out of this. Right. No and one's going to judge you for making a huge life change after you nearly died. And, and he's like, well, I judged said, her a little bit. <laughs> and then he says she didn't deserve him or something like that. Yeah. And probably expletive her. Yes. <laughs> You're allowed to cuss, Brad. It's okay. I do it. It's, it's your job. <laughs> it's my job. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> why not? Can't bring myself to do those things. <laughs> I don't know why. Must have been raised that way. I feel like you cuss all the time. In private. <laughs> <laughs> you want a story? Give you a quick story. Sure. I remember being little and we used to watch TV during dinner on Fridays where we would, the family thing was we would order a pizza, mm-hmm. we would turn the TV around facing the dining room, and during tea, during dinner we'd watch either, I don't know, Dukes of Hazard, Knight Rider, some show. Um, I don't remember what we were watching, but I had heard the line in the show, and I laughed about it, and then I thought it'd be funny to do it, and I'm like, I've got to get up to go take a piss. And then, mm-hmm. you know, my parents are like, you don't speak like that. <laughs> Because it wasn't That's barely a bad word. I know, but you know, I I was little. I do remember when I was little, I thought crap was a bad word. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my God. Oh my God. Now I just F-bomb all over the place with my mom and dad. (laughs) They don't care. Yep. So how was your day, Stephanie? F-bomb great, mom. (laughs) It's weird. I don't know how you just say F-bomb all the time, Uh but you know, hey. That's what what I, up? Uh, that's what I do. You're just like, F-bomb you. F-bomb this. This is, yeah. Yeah. You are a nerd because you say F-bomb instead of the real word. I'm saying F-bomb for your precious, innocent ears' sake. <laughs> your precious, innocent <laughs> podcast version. Uh, yeah, no, we we put that E on there for a reason, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could not... I feel like if there was a child in the room, I could do it. <laughs> but I feel like that's my only incentive for not cussing. All right. It's when there's a kid. We'll bring a kid. 
for the time that we want to do a clean version, I'll just bring some kid. I'll borrow one from somebody. Uh-huh. Make sure they're old enough to understand the words so that you don't want them to repeat it. Oh, wait, no. No, we don't want them to be old enough to understand it. We want them to be young enough that you would be ruining them as they repeated that word. Uh-huh. Okay. There was <laughs> one time I remember I was watching Buffy with my cousin Dylan, who uh-huh. was like... Uh, Two. Maybe like four or five. Okay. I don't know. And I remember it was the episode where it was, I think Vampire Willow was in it. We'll probably do it someday. But I think she got shot in the something. She got shot with like a dart or a bow uh-huh. or crossbow. And she just looks down and goes, bitch. And then like passes out. Uh-huh. And my cousin goes, bitch. <laughs> like fell down i was like because i giggled when i watched it so he thought it was it a would make me thing. laugh and i was yeah. like then i was like shit and then he's like shit no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> and it's all downhill from there and then i immediately ran away and watched it in a different room i was like this isn't my i didn't do it i'm running away i didn't make him say that word it's not my fault <laughs> just looking as guilty as possible by doing that yep I hid in my grandparents' bedroom and watched the rest of the Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Yes. Charlie gets a call be- from his agent because it's been 13 weeks. His agent, by the way, is Ron Livingston. Okay. Who is from Office Space uh-huh. many other- and many other shows. Right. Movies, etc. Because it's been 13 weeks since he got the assignment, which is quite a while. And Valerie wants a draft. So then he has a fantasy of Valerie calling him a genius as she reads his magical screenplay and then uh-huh. they bone. Uh-huh. Valerie's played by Tilda Swinton. Okay. I said that earlier. Yeah, just make I didn't remember. And now he's full on panicking about adapting this book. Donald's trying to be helpful by posting screenplay rules that he learned in his class. Uh-huh. But Charlie is not having it. Right. Uh, Susan calls LaRoche many years ago, two, three years ago, whatever it was, and his new hobby is porn. (laughs) I mean, isn't that everyone's hobby? He's researching. (laughs) I think was the word he used. Yes. And he had lots of naked lady pictures around his bulletin board Mm -hmm. above his computer. Yep. That people would pay to see almost anything. Yes. He was going to be rich with this porn site. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, Charlie... Silly man. Nobody pays for porn on the internet. I know, right? What a silly goose. Mm-hmm. Charlie wakes up in the middle of the night to read a passage from Susan's book. And then he's, like, staring at her picture on the book jacket. <laughs> and then he starts fantasizing about her. Uh-huh. He talks to her photo for help. It because he can't back. sleep. Yes, and she talks back, and then he starts imagining that they're boning. Yep. She, she tells once he has completed <laughs> she tells him to find the one thing he's passionate about passionate about and that seems to help him a little bit okay he which go- turns out to be or are we gonna wait is there another flashback something else there are some more in the okay cool what do you mean what his passion is getting food no. That's the next scene. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. What's his passion? 
Oh, I just said that he he fantasized about her. Right. But his passion is himself. <laughs> okay. I'm not saying he passioned himself. Yes, but he did. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> but he's passionate about himself. Yeah. Isn't that it? I don't remember. I okay. don't know what you're talking about. Well, when he starts to have the ideas of how he's going to write this book. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or was that because of the thing? Oh, that's because of the thing. Forget it. I'm off base. Continue. I'm confused. Anyway. You should be because it's, <laughs> it's wrong. What I'm thinking is wrong. Okay. <laughs> I think. I'm pretty sure it's Apologies wrong. Apologies all around. So Charlie goes to pick up some food and he sees Valerie there. He's trying to avoid her because obviously he does he not have nothing. anything to give yeah. her. Uh, she I think spots... on the one page we got to see, he had three different passages typed out and two of them marked out with red crayon yeah. or marker. Probably marker. <laughs> hey, he might be that kind of guy that uses a crayon, okay? It's possible. Don't harp on the crayon. Crayon. So, they chat a little <laughs> bit. Susan, are you laughing at me? Yes. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> and also that, that's funny too. My shirt, which has a stupid collar that does nothing and it yep. except choke me. So I'm putting it over my face. Uh-huh. That's what it's for. <laughs> you figured it out. Way to go. <laughs> uh, fake chokers are stupid and annoying sometimes. <laughs> Charlie goes to, okay. I read that already. Susan is there also. Right. Valerie's having lunch with her dinner, whatever. Uh, but he's way too stressed out to meet her, so he skedaddles as quickly as possible. Right. He makes several excuses. Right, like he can't, if he sees her, it's going to taint the work, uh, so he doesn't want to taint the work. And I think he didn't take his food. Where is credit he card did back? Le- he did leave everything yeah. behind. He ran away as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. So while he's on a roll with writing at home, Donald comes in with his script for something called The Three. Yep. And he wants Charlie to give it to his agent, uh-huh. uh, which he begrudgingly does at some point. Yep. Uh, we don't see that happen, no, but, but it, it happens. it does happen, yes. And then Charlie decides that he's going to go to New York to meet Susan. Because he has questions that he needs answers to. Yes, because her book just ends and there's just not right. enough for him to yeah. go on. And then his brother mentions that the guy that he took the class from was going to be in New York, and, you know, if he had time, maybe he might want to check it out. Oh yeah. What's his name? So this is where we have the funny thing. He goes to the building to see her, right? And then he's going up the elevator. Wait, no, we're not there yet. Oh, we're not there yet? Sorry, okay. I got distracted. So they are, Susan and LaRoche are bonding, and he takes her through the swamp to find the flowers. Ah, uh, yes. They get a little bit lost and have an argument. Well, he has an argument with himself. Right. And she, but then it just kind of ends there. Right. And her book ends with, she decides that LaRoche is easy to fall in love with, but he's fleeting and fantastic and out of reach. And then ends. I thought she got annoyed with him. Well, she did get annoyed with him. But that's At this what, point, yeah. That's what we are feeling like. So it, yeah. the book ends. Yes. Uh, and yes, then Charlie arrives in New York City. Okay. And you can continue. Oh, he goes to see her at the New Yorker, 
He's riding up the elevator. The door opens at the New Yorker. He doesn't get out. It goes up to whatever the other dude in there's floor was. Then it comes back down and it stops again at the New Yorker. And who walks onto the elevator? Susan. And what doesn't he do at all? Talk to her. Exactly. (laughs) This guy is really good at not following through on anything he says he's going to do. Yeah, he's got some anxiety, some social anxiety on top of his regular anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. He's got an anxiety sandwich. (laughs) Yeah. He has anxiety on two slices of anxiety with anxiety on the top and anxiety on the side. Mm Mm-hmm. And a pickle. Because every anxiety sandwich with anxiety on the side should have a pickle. <laughs> so his agent calls him and tells him Donald's script is amazing. <laughs> and he can't wait to sell it for a gazillion dollars, basically. Yep. yep. Donald, or Charlie's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so he it d- makes no sense, Stephanie. Yeah, it's a stupid... <laughs> this, is the, this is the comedy of this movie right yeah. <laughs> here, is that that script's amazing and it can't possibly happen. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, everything we've heard about it is, is ridiculous. That's what Hollywood loves. I suppose they do. So, Charlie sucks it up and is like, well, if he can sell this amazing script, I might as well go see what this freaking screenwriting class is all about. Yep. And the guy leading it is Brian Cox. That's, I mean, the actor. Yep. He, I don't know if you remember him from X-Men, but that's what I associate him with. <laughs> or an X2, I think. Okay. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the colonel. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. That's what his voice, I always hear that voice and I'm like, ah, oh, yes, X-Men. Yes. But he's been in many other things. Yes, but That's has. my main association. So, the... <laughs> One of his first thing that he talks about is, you know, he's like having a panic attack while he's sitting in his audience like, I shouldn't be here. I'm so much better than all these people. This is such bullshit. And then he's like, voiceovers are terrible. <laughs> They're sloppy. Don't ever use them in your story. <laughs> They're lazy. In your scripts. Yeah. Uh, so then immediately the inner mo- or like the voiceover that we hear of his inner monologue stops. Right. And it's just him at the class. So then he asks a question to the guy about what do you do if there's no conflict in your story like what do you do if like nothing really happens and you just have to tell a story right and like there's is this where he loses his yeah and then the the guy is like why are you wasting my two precious hours with your movie i don't have any use for it Because he's like, obviously there's conflict in the world and there's conflict everywhere. You just have to find it and, you know, use it. Yep. And there's no way that your story cannot have conflict because we exist in a world where there's always conflict. Right. So how can you not have conflict? Yeah. So after the seminar's over, he goes to the guy and tells him, like, he was the dumb guy who wasted his time or whatever. (laughs) Uh And he tells him about his movie and he the guy decides to go get a drink with him Mm -hmm. and help him out right so he gives him some advice to wow them in the end yeah don't cheat characters must change and it must come from them and he like realizes that he's like do i I recognize you he's like oh yeah my brother took your class my twin brother in Uh, la and he says Oh, you know, and he's, he's like, he's also a screenwriter. He's like, two screenwriters in one family. Wow. 
He's like, you know, the screenwriters for Casablanca were also twin brothers. Yep. He's like, maybe you should use your brother. That was a throwback somewhere in the beginning where his brother mentioned the, the greatness of Casablanca. Yeah. That's what he, he said. Mm-hmm. Greatest script ever written. Mm-hmm. By twin brothers. Yep. So Charlie calls Donald and invites him to New York City to hang out uh-huh. and help him. Yeah. Donald reads his script and agrees to help him out. He offers to go meet with Susan and pretend to be him because Charlie can't talk to her. Right, because <laughs> of social anxiety. Yep. Incapable. And then they agree that he has to act like him. Yes, he can't he be can't all be, funny and right. cutesy and flirty in his usual Donald way, right. goofy way. And of course, as we flash to Donald meeting with Susan, he's there laughing together and whatever. Right. But then he gets to business. Yes. Susan tells him that there was a level of intimacy developed, but she was never attracted to LaRoche. Right. And he asks her a question about who she would you know, anyone alive or dead, who would you want to have dinner with? And she says, Einstein and Jesus. Einstein or Jesus. Or Jesus. And he's like, that's, you know, good answer. And then he decides that's too right of an answer, that she's had these right. then things we prepared back. in her mind forever. Yeah, that he comes back to his room and she's like, her answers were too perfect. She's hiding something. And then they get some binoculars and decide to spy on her <laughs> in her office. Mm-hmm. They see that she has bought some plane tickets to Miami, mm-hmm. and her husband comes in, and she's being all awkward with him. Uh-huh. So there's lots of some weird body language going on. Yep. So then they remember that LaRoche has a porn site, and they decide to look at it <laughs> for research purposes. Well, his brother decides that. Yes. Okay. And then they see a picture of Susan on it. and her. That's why they're going to go to she Miami. Got, she got one titty out. <laughs> okay. She did. I thought both of them were there, but... I mean, one was more concealed than the other. Sure. So there was one that was mm-hmm. fully on display. Okay. I'm just thinking of this Lonely Island song. Gotcha. It's like, you rocking one titty with one... Sh- I don't know. You rocking this city with one shiny titty all day long. Never heard this song. <laughs> Thank you for Chris- sharing. Kristen Wiig sings in it, too. It's very gotcha. funny. Gotcha. All anyway. right. Now it makes more sense. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one person understood my joke Good my reference <laughs> congratulations person <laughs> and then I butchered lyrics <laughs> sorry person <laughs> <laughs> so Susan we're back with Susan in the swamp yep <laughs> as you do Susan in the swamp <laughs> could where be good, could be a good song she continues her story that she left off in the book she said that she's changed in the swamp and she's lied to everyone oh okay yes oh so the moment where we see it end and she doesn't say anything is when she's changed she says it yeah she says that we get to see the continuation of what actually happened after the book just abruptly stops Mm -hmm. she and LaRoche go on to find the orchid she just says it's just a flower yep and he cuts it off from its branch, or cuts the branch off with it. Yep. And they bring it back out. LaRoche says they can get a drug out of the orchid, and he can give her the drug if she wants it. Like, that's why all the Native American guys were hanging out with him, because they really like it, and they use it in their various ceremonies. And they know how to make the drug, yeah. 
Yes, and he's like the one white guy that knows how to make it. Right, because he learned it from them. Yes. And he keeps them supplied on ghost orchids. Yes, so that they can continue to it, make it. Because as it turns out, his little greenhouse behind his place is full of ghost orchids. Yep. For drugs. So since we were talking about the bugs that have intercourse with the flowers because the flower attracts them, does the ghost orchid have to have sex with a ghost? Yep. Gotcha. Cool. <laughs> ghost bug. There's a ghost bug. That would be awesome. <laughs> there might be one here now. We just don't know it. Mm-hmm. That's what Sookie meows at, the ghost bug. I, I believe it. She's always meowing at random walls. It's creepy. It's like poltergeist. Ghost bugs. She, so she gets back to her hotel room and she has a little package from LaRoche. And it's the drug that he has made for her. Yep. She does a line of it. Sure. <laughs> Whatever, however you do it. Uh-huh. Um, and then she goes into the bathroom, and while she's brushing her teeth, it seems to start taking effect. Yep. And she's all high. And yep. she decides to call LaRoche, and he's very amused by her demeanor. Yep. And then they end up talking on the phone all night. Mm-hmm. And then she goes to his place. Right? And they get busy. Yeah, and they... Bizzity bang. I said a bang, bang, bangity bang. I said a bang, bang, bangity bang. Bizzity bang. Uh, You're going to bang, bang, bizzity bang. You're going to bang, 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 bizzity bang. That's not like how the that. song goes. I don't know how the song goes. There's no bizzity. It's just bang. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like the hand I, jive? I initially said bizzity, but then I decided to sing the How I Met Your Mother song. Gotcha. In Miami, in the present, present, air quote. Yep, yep. <laughs> they, Charlie and Donald are in a car, and then they watch as Susan gets into LaRoche's van. Mm-hmm. And they end up tailing the van to his house. Uh-huh. <laughs> and see them go into the house together. Uh-huh. Donald gets the bright idea to take a closer look, okay. and Charlie says, no, I will. This is my story. I'll go right. do it. I'll be brave for once. I have to know these answers. Yeah. So they see, he kind of peeks around the house and he sees the greenhouse filled with the ghost orchids. Mm-hmm. And then he see, he hears first and then he sees Susan and LaRoche smooching it up, doing yeah. orchid drugs and getting their bone on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then LaRoche sees the tops of Charlie's, well, he sees his eyes watching them. Yeah. And is like, what the hell? So, so Charlie tries to run away. Yes, but then LaRoche gets him, and then... Not just LaRoche. A naked LaRoche yes, catches him. Yes, he's very naked. Because <laughs> they were boning. There was some butt. Yeah. We got to see LaRoche's butt a couple of times. It's true. <gasps> I got to see Mark Ruffalo's butt last night. It was great. Wow. <laughs> Must have been better than LaRoche's. It was much better. All right. It was just the top half, but it was just so nice. Just the top half? But with LaRoche, you got the whole <laughs> kit and caboodle. I mean, there was no hiding anything. No. It was from lower back to back of knee. <laughs> yep, that's true. <laughs> Not as pleasant. <laughs> so <laughs> That's in my brain now. <laughs> Sorry. So, 
Susan, through her drug-addled brain, recognizes Charlie as, you know, the screenwriter for her movie. Right. And LaRoche is like, oh, nice to meet you, and shakes his hand. Right. But then Susan starts freaking out that, you know, he knows too much now about what's really going on, and she doesn't want him to put this in the movie. And Right, right. She wants to keep it the nice, precious orchid book. Right. So she comes up with a perfectly valid plan for what needs to happen. We have to kill him. Yep. <laughs> Legit. Oh, this is when the movie gets exciting. And he's like, <laughs> LaRoche is like, I don't know. And she's like, no, we have to kill him. And he's like, all right. Yeah. Whatever. So LaRoche gets in the van. Meanwhile, Donald is still in the car. Yeah. And he hides in the back seat while Susan, with her gun pointed at Charlie, forces him to drive deep into the Everglades. Yes. So they park at a end dead end. Over, dead end, yep. Um, and then, so they... LaRoche is looking for a flashlight in his messy van. Yes, and... And she's walking him to start leading him. Yes, and then suddenly the door, the back door bursts open and Donald knocks Susan back with the car door. Yep. And then soon him and, him and Charlie are running through the swamp. Right. Uh... <clears throat> There's snakes everywhere. It's gross and it's dead of night, so it's just dark and scary. Yep. Like most swamps. Yes, I would not want to be in a swamp in the middle of the night. Especially this one where there were a couple scenes when we were in the swamp of alligators. Yes. And not small ones, not cute little adorable ones that you want to hold up and go, look at you. No big ones that want to munch munch on you. True, true. They want to crunch on that flesh. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So... They're hiding. They are hiding, and then they have a nice little heart-to-heart. Yep. And <sighs> Donald says, you are what you love, not what loves you. And that seems to really ring true with Charlie. Yep, yep. After he tells a story about how he had a crush on a girl, or he loved a girl, and she was nice oh, to yeah, him. in high school. But then, you know, as soon as she left, she super-duper made fun of him. But Donald was like, it didn't bother me because she had no control over the fact that I loved her. That was just for me. She couldn't take that away. Right. So it was, you are what you love, not what loves you. It's pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So they kind of doze off in the swamp together. Susan and LaRoche had not found them in the evening. Right. Or in the middle of the night. And morning comes, and they carefully get up and start maneuvering back towards the car because the, the car? van appears to be gone yes unfortunately it was just moved and LaRoche is sitting there by the dead end and he is just sitting there with his gun across his lap yep his rifle yes and susan comes out of the van he was and sleeping s- there actually. yes he was sleeping there and susan comes out and kind of sees them and then alerts LaRoche. And he's so startled that he just wakes up and shoots, and he shoots Donald in the arm. stomach. No, it was the arm. I think it was right here. I'm pretty sure it was his arm. I'm pretty sure it was his middle. No. Because he was bloody everywhere. Yeah, but that's later. No, that was before. No, I think it was just his arm, because he I was, like, holding his arm. and. I thought he was holding here. No, no. I'm pretty sure he got shot in I his think gut. It's the arm. I think it was his gut, and he was in shock. I think it's the arm. I think it was his gut. Well, we'll we'll, we'll agree to disagree. Or I'll just Google it. 
You'll just Google it. Uh-huh. Where did LaRoche shoot <laughs> Donald? Please Google. Thank you very much. And the survey says... It's too many, too many results. <laughs> I need, like, the script. <laughs> I need to... <laughs> Let me look at the screenplay. <laughs> <coughs> Good luck with that one. Of course, you're a writer, so you probably know where they hide those things on the internet. Yeah, I look at screen. I look at Trish screen screen crips. I can't even tell. Screen screen crips. What's a screen crip? Is that something that the uh, crypt keeper stays in, or I just she's so deep in thought right now she can't even hear me and my jokes. Look at this. It's so serious. I'm trying to find where it says he shoots him. Are you legit looking at the script right yes, now? Yes, I am looking at the script. Okay, there's that part. And the survey says... It just says he shoots him, doesn't it? <laughs> it doesn't say where, does it? No, wait, hold on. <laughs> Why would he be holding his shoulder if he was shot in the gut? He wasn't holding his shoulder. He was holding he was. his stomach. I'm telling you. It was shoulder. This is so exciting. <laughs> Some good. This makes for this really is in, good This is not the right. Video. This is not the final draft. Well, then let's agree to disagree. You think he got shot in the gut. I think that would have made him very, very immobile. I think he got shot in the shoulder. And that what's coming up next... Would have caused the additional injury. I mean, I know he was hurt initially even more, but I feel like if he he wouldn't have died so quick. Oh, sorry, spoilers. <laughs> he wouldn't have. I don't know. He wouldn't have died Wait. as quickly. They don't get in the car yet, do they? Yeah, as soon as he's shot, they get in the car. But when's the runaround? Oh, that's later. Forget it. Yep, continue. So they get in the car and they speed off. They get so he gets shot. They speed off. Can't believe I got shot. Isn't that fucked up? And then they immediately get into a car accident, and Donald goes shooting through the windshield. <laughs> yep, because he didn't put on a seatbelt. That's <laughs> true. Um, and it was a head-on collision with the preserve rangers. Yeah. Jim Beaver. Poor Jim Beaver. Truck. Uh, he lays on the ground, face down, basically. And he's very much about to die. And Charlie's trying to keep him awake. And he starts to sing a song. I can't remember what the song is now. The song by the Turtles. I'll never remember it. Doesn't matter. Okay. And then he starts to die again. He seemed to kind of die, and then he really died. Well, he's closing. He's passing out. (laughs) Yeah. Probably because he's bleeding out. Uh, Susan comes out again, and Charlie starts running through the swamp because she's trying to kill him still. Yep. And Those T-1000s. (laughs) He's pinned down in the swamp, and Susan and LaRoche are trying to kill him. There's alligators everywhere. It's... This is not a good right. And LaRoche doesn't really want to kill him. Do we have to do this? Yeah, and she's like, like, yes. And he's like, well, okay. And then. It's like, okay, honey. Happy enter, wife, happy life. <laughs> enter the alligator from stage right. 
And then LaRoche gets attacked and taken under and eaten alive. And death rolled. Yeah. He was death rolled. Death rolled. And then Charlie and Susan yell at each other a lot. Yep. (laughs) And then Susan's holding Charlie's, or not Charlie, LaRoche's body, Mm -hmm. which, you know, she probably should have gotten a little bit farther away from the the alligators that were attacking, but. Well, you know. She had to have a moment, I suppose. She was. She was destroyed. She loved this she man. She was distraught, yes. She says she wants to be a baby again before her life can get all fucked up. She wants to yep, be new. Start over. Can I reboot? Reboot. Wrong movie. It's not Ex Machina. <laughs> That's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. Charlie, so it's over now. The police are there. He has a blanket on. Right. That means it's over. <laughs> when, when, you, when you've got the blanket around your shoulders, the, yes. the battle is done. You're done, yes. <laughs> We're at the end scene of the horrors. <laughs> it's the movie rules. Unless it's a horror film, and then it might not be yeah, over. Yeah, then there might be another 20 minutes. Yes. Uh, when there's another death scene, but not this way. Uh, tra- Charlie calls his mom and cries, and then he goes back to his empty house, but then he keeps writing. Yep. Eventually, he goes out with Amelia again, and he finally gets up the nerve and kisses her and tells her he loves her. Yeah. But, you know, she's, she says she's with somebody, so she can't do anything about it. But she does stop and tell him that she loves him, too. Right, because now she's going to go break up with that other guy. I mean, we can hope that that's what will happen. Oh, that's what's going to happen. Okay. We can hope that's what will happen. Mm-hmm. It'll happen. And he says he's figured out his ending, and then he drives off filled with hope. Right. And then we get to hear... So happy together by the turtles playing as flowers are blooming. That's the song, by the way. That is the song. Yes, I wrote it. I had it here later. Yeah. As the flowers are blooming and fading and blooming and fading as time Mm. passes. Right. Opening as its day, closing as its night. Yes. As flowers do. Yes. The end. What a crazy ride, right? (laughs) Totally. Like, I was not expecting it to make that left turn into Miami, I'll tell you right now. I thought this... I'm just watching this movie and I'm like, this is just a pathetic movie of a guy being in love with a girl and not being able to tell her and then thinking he's in love with somebody else and not being able to tell her and being in love with somebody else and not being able to tell her. And on the flip side, this married woman who is not happy in her life is in love with LaRoche and not being able to tell him. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm just like, it's just this dual story. And I thought it was just going to be, he turns this flower book into a love story of unspoken love. But no. No. That is not at all where it goes. He didn't want the drugs and the sex and the guns, but he got them. He got the drugs, the (laughs) sex, and the guns. And a crocodile. Yep. Not, sorry. Alligator. alligator. I wrote crocodile a lot, and then I realized it was an alligator. Yep, we're in we're in Miami. It's an yeah. alligator. So Just, wow, craziness. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Such a turn. Yeah, I was not expecting that at all. No, no. It's like, oh, we're on our way to uh, I don't know, some boring city in some boring state, and then all of a sudden, bam. Yeah, I thought that when they went to Miami, they were just going to follow her and find her having the affair, and it was going to be 
good. Now I get to write this book. Yeah, and he would figure it out, blow the whole thing wide open. No. Oops. So crazy. Yeah. So this this movie is based on Charlie Kaufman's actual struggle to adapt this actual book by Susan Orley. Which is called? The Orchid Thief. Oh, it's a real book? Yeah. Okay. This whole thing is real. A real scenario. Minus the, the part at the end. Oh, okay. <laughs> the brother and the murder and... Well, he doesn't really have a brother, so... Right. Well, the murder. Fictitious. The, the, the drugs right. and the sex. That stuff didn't happen. And the guns. This is where he took a creative turn in his own film uh-huh. writing and, and added the things that he didn't want to add into it. Yes. So he was originally supposed to write a movie about this book. Okay. And instead, he wrote a movie about himself writing the screenplay for the book. Right. And turned it into this movie. Yes. So he, as he says, Kaufman quickly got writer's block since the book lacked dramatic structure needed for a movie. So he decided to write a screenplay about himself struggling to write a book adaptation, exaggerating many of the story elements and characters and making up his non-existent twin brother. Right. Knowing that the producers would probably reject his idea, he did not tell him about the new direction that he was taking the story, and he just handed over the finished script. Okay. Um, although the movie was supported by Spike Jones, he believed that uh, Kaufman believed this would end his career. Okay. <laughs> but it did not, obviously. Obviously. He was actually nominated for a Golden Globe with Donald Kaufman, even though he's not real. <laughs> Um, they were both also nominated for an Academy Award, and the Academy made it known that in the event of a victory, the two brothers would have to share one statue. Wow. So the, him making the movie written by himself and his fictitious brother was his bit of fun play there. Yeah. And um, in this movie, there was a point where they were reading about the reviews of the book, and it didn't get good reviews in this mm. in this movie like he's like i don't know why i'd be writing wanting to write a screenplay about this book it didn't even get good reviews like like it lacked substance and it this and that and that like the the right. v- reviews he was reading in the film is that the real case for the real book i don't know i probably should have answered some of my own questions <laughs> maybe i don't i have a lot of the fun facts but i don't have all the to fun be facts fair, i just thought about this just now that's fair when cuz i didn't realize it was a real thing. Like, I didn't even know The Orchid Thief was a real book. Yeah, I didn't I either. Didn't, I didn't look. Until I was doing my fun facts. Gotcha. There's one scene that Charlie comes home and checks the mail. He is in front of a mirror, and Donald's talking to him behind him. Mm-hmm. But the reflection of fictitious Charlie Kaufman in the mirror is actually real Charlie Kaufman. I didn't notice that. Just hmm. saying. Neither did I. Uh, Nicholas Cage said that during filming, he ignored all of his acting instincts and played the part of Charlie exactly as director Spike Jones asked him to, and then he received an Academy Award nomination for it. See? So, so if you follow what Spike Jones tells you, you'll get a nomination for an Academy Award. True. So all you actors that didn't listen to Spike Jones, now you'd know what you did wrong. <laughs> all of you who listen to our podcast. <laughs> all of them. There's at least... Seven. Uh, I have worked with Spike Jones. 
<laughs> and haven't been nominated for an Academy Award because wow, congrats! They wanted to didn't get because they wanted oh, to. I thought you said you to did. follow their own. I got nominated for. Uh-huh. An I'd like to thank. <laughs> I'd like to thank the Academy. Yes. For this beautiful statue uh, that just tells us how pure water is. <laughs> I'll put you. The <laughs> Let's try that again. Yes, please. <laughs> I'm just waiting. <laughs> That's not how it went the first time. I think it was something like a put. <laughs> I tried to say two words at the same time. To portray. Okay, there, there we, we go. go. LaRoche. Chris Cooper grew out his hair, shed uh-huh. some weight, and used their prosthesis. Prosthesis. <laughs> 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 to create the illusion of a toothless mouth. Yes. Those are hard words to say. Uh, I thought I thought you were gonna amaze me with he had his front teeth removed. <laughs> That's dedication. He's a he's an actor that believes in um what's it when they really live the part. Uh, I knew you were gonna ask me that, and <laughs> I was trying to think of the word right as you were asking. I can't remember. I can't either. Oh yeah. wait, it was there and then it went away. It'll come later. I'll, I'll blurt it out. <laughs> Spike Jones also granted Cooper's request for numerous takes so he could find the right tone for the eccentric character. Uh-huh. I have to Google it. What? The how you... The acting? It's, uh... Well, are you done with fun facts? Is this why you're Googling it? No, I'm not done with ah, But then I won't be able to blurt it out. Okay, fine. I will not keep looking. Okay, continue. When it comes to me, I'm just going to blurt it. Oh, I almost had it. It almost See? came. <laughs> yeah, it's these microphones. They, <laughs> they drain your brain. Method. Method, yes. Thank you. <laughs> See, it came. It's <laughs> 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 <This is> horrible. <laughs> Meryl Streep said the screenplay for adaptation was the best she has ever read. Ooh. It's pretty intense. That is pretty intense. Even better than Mamma Mia? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Yeah, this she did. You should say something like Devil Wears Prada, which is also not as good. But I she, mean it's she, I love Well, that she movie. obviously had that interview before um It's true. Mamma Mia was made. Because now she'd say Mamma Mia was the best adaptation of a not movie ever. No, this is still probably better. <laughs> Mamma Mia's not a movie. It's just a way to sing Abba song. It's true. In a movie. So why would she say it's the best she's ever read? I said best not adaptation. Oh. Because it's just This music. Yeah. Susan Orlean was at first concerned that some people would think her portrayal in the film was accurate. (laughs) Oh, wait. You mean she didn't try to kill Charlie Kaufman? (laughs) No. And was snorting um, ghost orchids? Drugs yeah. made by Native American tribes that and boned her subject. Yeah. Well, surprise, surprise. But was, she was fascinated with him, right? She was fascinated with okay. him. Okay. But she was then reminded how Charlie Kaufman portrays himself in the film and she felt better. Okay. <laughs> uh Joaquin Phoenix actually auditioned for the role of LaRoche. You're saying that Charlie Kaufman doesn't walk around saying he's a worthless, fat, balding forty year old something? Correct. Okay. So he digged at everybody. Yes. Okay. Including himself. Especially yes. himself. Especially himself. 
So much so that he made a brother that was more successful than <laughs> yes, he was. Exactly. Such self-deprecation. Good lord. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix auditioned for the role of LaRoche and got close to getting the part. According to Spike Jones during one of their final meetings, uh, Joaquin told him that he was wrong for the part and that it should go to someone else and took him and took himself out of the running. Ooh, interesting. Chris Cooper eventually got the part and ended up winning an Oscar for his performance. There you go, Chris. He listens. The flower shown during the time-lapse sequence at the end of the movie is called Amelia. Oh. An osteospermum. Oh, the flower. Mm-hmm. Which I think is proof that you're right, that he's gonna, she's going to go and break up with her boyfriend and be with Charlie. Yes. Okay. I thought they were daisies. Nope. They were Amelia's. Okay. Which oh, is, wait. They were yellow. Which is her name. Daisies aren't yellow. Shows you what I know about flowers. Nicholas Cage's brother, New York City radio personality Mark Coppola, yep. often stood in for one of the twins during filming. Cool. Nicholas Cage was given completely separate credits for Charlie Kaufman and Donald Kaufman. Because I noticed this when I was watching the credits that they were in order of appearance. Yeah. So they're out of order. So it's like Charlie's first and then like Donald is like several people later. Yeah. Which was kind of funny. So um, Nicolas Cage got two credits? Yeah, he got two different credits for the movie. Sweet. Uh, Spike Jones used to be married to Nicolas Cage's cousin, Sofia Coppola, who I love dearly. Because mm-hmm. she made so many of my favorite movies. Like Lost in Translation. Mm-hmm. And Virgin Suicides. Mm-hmm. And Marie Antoinette. Mm-hmm. Is that the end of your list? <laughs> That's what I could think of, because I okay. watched those ones a lot. <laughs> Especially Lost in Translation. Yes, of course. For for reasons. For reasons. The the great script and 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 uh, the excellent um, dialogue that occurs in that movie. <laughs> Are you being facetious? <laughs> Just the hours and hours of dialogue. <laughs> that movie is beautiful, and it's very funny. I mean, you showed me this picture, and that is <laughs> that the Nick got me. that is the entire script, mm-hmm. and it's just unbelievable that it's that short for that length of a movie well just throwing it out there it's a be- it's like one of the best movies because i thought the script for the threes was very thin mm-hmm. and i think do we get to see the script for adaptation as well no i don't think it, we do i thought we did at the end maybe i don't remember it seemed very thin as well mm. i've never seen a real script so i don't know I only know that the Gilmore Girls scripts are really long. Well, it's because they... Because they talk so much. <laughs> I mean, they talk double time, and they're still filling normal time hours, TV shows time. Right. Yeah. Which is amazing. It is amazing. I bet the scripts for Newsroom are really long, too. I've never seen that one. Oh, it's so good. Mm. Okay. Are we done? Someday. Nope. I have oh, a couple more. Good. I just wanted to talk about Lost in Translation, because it's an amazing movie, and everyone should watch it. And Scarlet is a precious baby, and Bill Murray is amazing. Yep, definitely not a precious baby. What? Bill Murray is not a he's precious baby. He's kind of baby. a precious baby in it. He's okay. A, he's a grumpy baby. Who he's, likes He's having whiskey. a midlife crisis baby. Yes. <laughs> and can't sleep. Uh-huh, because he's in Japan and it's jet lag. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, I love that movie. Now I want to watch it. I haven't watched it in a while. You can do that right after we're done. I can. Probably won't, but I can. (laughs) I have the ability. 
So the credits include Donald Kaufman as the co-writer. He's also featured as a character in the movie, and the movie is dedicated in loving memory of Donald's at the end of the credits. Well, he died. He did die, but yep. he's not real. <laughs> it's still really funny. Though. No, comedy is a precious. <laughs> it's true. Precious it living. It did make me laugh thing. when I saw yes, that. Yes, it made me laugh as well. Um, and finally, a paragraph from. Oh, this this is wrong. Oh. I mean, not Whoa. not the, the oh, whole no. fact. But just this, it said a paragraph from Charlie Kaufman's script, The Three. It's Donald's script, The Three. Oh, IMDb, get it together. Whoa, unless in real life, Charlie Kaufman wrote The Three, and now we're in this whole new... Just, <laughs> it's just a loop. Too much, too much. Um, <laughs> the a, craziness a, never ends. A snippet from the script is shown at the very end of the credits. It reads, Yep. We're all one thing, Lieutenant. That's what I've come to realize, like cells in a body. Except we can't see the body, the way fish can't see the ocean, and so we envy each other, hurt each other, hate each other. How silly is that? A heart cell hating a lung cell. There is a theory that claims this paragraph actually reveals the hidden meaning of the film, that Donald, Susan, and Charlie are the three and are all, like, the same person. (laughs) I don't know if I agree with that, but... I don't agree with that either. I don't agree with the Susan part. They're definitely not the same person. Like, Like, maybe... At the end, I start was starting to wonder if Charlie and Donald were the same person, like for a I very think, brief moment. Right. I think that they're. I think and you I think, can interpret this movie both ways. What made me think that was when he called his mom Bing, one twin of two twins. Like she instantly knew who it was. Yes. And it kind of brought me back to. And she didn't say, "Is that Donald okay?" Spider movie. What was what? the Spider movie? The one we did before, with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, Enemy? Enemy, thank you. No, not... Yeah, it was Enemy. Where he's a... Got a... His... He, the brother is his yeah. acting career? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so for a brief second, I thought, were these the same? But then, no, it's not. I think it could be... I think you can interpret it both ways. I think you can interpret it as... at the end of the movie, they wouldn't have had a memorandum, you know, in memoriam. But maybe that was just... Charlie saying goodbye to himself, the part of <laughs> to himself. The part of himself because he doesn't going. really exist in real life. So it could have just he could have just created this other self that he wishes he could be right. to make himself to motivate himself. And the only way that he was ever able to finally make some headway in this project was when he accepted this other part of himself and then was able to follow through on things and like be confident and whatever. Gotcha. And he killed Donald in the end and then finally he was able to be complete because he wasn't fragmented any longer and then he was able to you know kiss Amelia and turn a script in and fix everything interesting I don't know that's just my it's just your take that's just that's that's an interpretation otherwise you can read it literally and he had a twin brother and he died in the crazy car chase of swamp land really either way I think is valid I agree as well mm-hmm it's whichever, if you want to get all literary about it, you can interpret it as the other self way. Or we you can, can interpret it as he had a brother who died. Or you could interpret it this way. Yes. You can follow us on Twitter at <laughs> CDoublePod. <laughs> you can. <laughs> and I was serious earlier when I said, when do you think the love was evident between uh, the orchid thief and Susan, the author? 
email us at cdoublepodcast at gmail.com because there's a debate here. I wonder if there's debates elsewhere. Please rate and review us on iTunes. This is the only way that people will really be able to find us. You can follow Steph on Instagram. At Steph plus verb. Yes. Sorry, I was hiccuping. When she's not belching into the microphone. I was hiccuping. <laughs> it was a hiccup. And until next time. I'm Stephanie Kratz. I'm already She distracted. forgot her lines. I'm already and I'm distracted. Bradford Barth. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.